Hi, I'm Kate Bailey. I'm a coach, an author, and a sober mama. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi and welcome back and today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome uh, a fantastic guest. I'm having a bit of a fangirl moment. It's the fabulous Laura McCown who's the author of (laughs) We Are The Luckiest Um, and she's got a new book out and if you're listening in from the States it's this week when this episode will drop. It's this week and it's called Push Off From Here nine universal truths to get you through sobriety and everything else and oh man I when I read this but I read this over the last couple of weeks and I can just say that those truths did drop with me it was like the shoe dropping like I recognized and resonated with them as a woman in recovery as someone been on the sober path for a few years I was like yeah yeah there's quite a few but we're going to dive into that (laughs) so we um yeah, we usually start with just with a check-in just to land and say, how are you yeah. doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's we're recording this uh, exactly almost two weeks out from the release of the book. So nerves are high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, but stressful. Uh, but overall, I'm doing great. I'm yeah. Like I just told you, I'm in Mexico right now. So recording from a hotel room, I can't, looking at the beautiful ocean, I I have nothing to complain about. Mm -hmm. I love the thought of that. So I'm in rainy, just sort of, have you ever been to the UK? I have, just to London. I'm so so basic. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great city. I think if you're going to go anywhere in the UK, that's a good place to go. But I mean, have you, you know, the winter in the UK is just kind of piss miserable, I have to say. It really is, right? Yeah. Well, I live in Boston, which is the same. I think I get, I think I understand Mm. what it's like. Yes. Yeah. Trying to claw our way just out of the ends of winter here and just going, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sort of that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm really delighted to be talking to you. So that's kind of, yeah, given me some sunshine in my day. So thanks again. Likewise. Yeah. So I really want to dive into um, push on, push off from here. Before we do, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about what brought you to the decision to to be alcohol-free and to recovery? Sure. I have been sober now for eight and a half years, about. I got sober in 2014. And for me, it was a, it was a matter of really life or death at the time, at the time when I finally stopped. I was, I had suffered a lot of consequences as a result of my drinking. I was, my daughter was four years old, so I was a relatively new mom. And what really brought me into recovery, into facing the fact that I had a problem with alcohol was an incident involving her where I put her in extreme danger uh, by leaving her alone overnight. Um, because I was blacked out. And that really woke me up to Mm. the fact that uh, anything could happen. I, I, 
I still had a lot of denial at that point about how how bad it really was. And that told me how bad it really was. So I started to try to get sober around 2013 and finally did a, over a year later, like it is for many people. It wasn't uh, an instant thing. It was a learning process. I did it very reluctantly. I didn't want to get sober. Mm. I wanted to not keep drinking as I had because that was terrible. Uh, and miserable, but I wanted to find some other way than to have to to get sober completely. So, yeah, since then, uh, everything is different. Every single thing is different. And and I was not always an author. I had a whole career before uh, this in marketing and advertising. But once I got sober, I started to write about what was going on, and I had long wanted and aspired to be an author, but that dream felt very far away. Uh, when I got sober, I was in my late thirties. So I well into a career 15 years. And I thought that that dream was basically over. And what I have learned uh, is that in sobriety, just about anything is possible. And I uh, did switch careers. I, as you said, I published a book in, in 2020, uh, and there's a long in-between process in there, of course, but that's what brought me here. And I you know, look, I never thought I would be writing about and talking about sobriety as my, as like my main topic. I never thought that that would be the thing, but, but it was, I had, a, I had, and still have so much to say about it mm -hmm. as, as do you, you know, I had a, a podcast, one of the first podcasts in the U.S. as well. Uh, I know you're the first in the UK to talk about this and, you know, that is one of many things that I started to do that um, I really just wanted to talk about what this thing is and, and what I was going through and in a different way than I had heard it being talked about, you know, a primarily 12 step way, a primary, primarily secretive way, anonymous way, masculine way. And so that's the that's the short version yeah yeah thank you thank you for, for for telling us about that you know there's the the layers of the onion and there's the I don't know the one we get sober and then there's that that next bit and there's the habit change it's just the hard graft of like oh you know this just just feels like really hard graft and then we get to some of the good stuff I love the fact that you called it the nine essential truths to get you through sobriety and other things, because what we put, put it down, you know, we get rid of the drink and we do that, you know, that's sort of, we break up with it. And then, then we are, and then here we are. Take us through, if you will, these nine essential truths as you have discovered them to be. Sure. So a, a quick background of how these came to be, because I think this is, interesting and important is I, they were, um, they were a response to a letter I received from a woman back in 2016, who was wondering what to say to her sister who was struggling with alcohol. And as many or most or all people are, you know, how they, how they feel when someone they love is struggling, she was angry and sad and confused and scared and, and all of those things that she didn't, and she was afraid of losing, of, of, pushing on her sister too, too much and losing her. And so she, she asked me what I would have wanted to hear. And I made, I wrote her a long letter. And at the end, there are these points. And so the points are one, it is not your fault. 
Two, it is your responsibility. Three, it is unfair that this is your thing. Four, this is your thing. Five, this will never stop being your thing until you face it. Six, you can't do it alone. Seven, only you can do it. Eight, you are loved. And nine, we will never stop reminding you of these things. And so that's where they came from. And, uh, you know, then over over time, uh, it became clear people really attached to these points uh, and applied them to many other things besides alcohol. But it became clear even I had questions about what they actually meant. And so that's what the book is about. Yeah. And I love it. You know, when I read them and I read them again, so I read them and I was like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's not your fault, but it's just, yeah, I understand that. And then I couldn't. And then it was like an earworm. It kind of got into me. Right. That's a really horrible <laughs> way of describing it. But I was like, OK, yeah. And then I was like, OK, this is this is like this is the power of the and it is not your fault mm. and it's your responsibility. It's holding these complex maybe what on the surface maybe we when we're thrashing about seem like they're opposing mm -hmm. and it's like the power being in the and and the compassion mm -hmm. right so this is like the next thing so it is this is the one that spoke to me so much at the moment in my life it is unfair that this is your thing right and I was like damn yeah and then there's that compassion and I was like this is your thing and I was like oh yeah man it is <laughs> I know. I know. It, it, it's a, yeah, that's on purpose, obviously, you know, to, because we need both. Yes. We need both. And it's, and it's complicated. Yes. This thing is very complicated. Change is complicated of any kind. Mm. And to, to hold both the fact that it is your, not your fault. So much yes. is not our fault. Yeah. And, and, but it is still your responsibility. Yeah. Is, um, I don't, I think a lot of what we get in self-help um, or even some spiritual teachings that have been, you know, uh, distilled down to something that they were not meant to be is, is this sort of hard nosed, mm. either one or the other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree. And, it, and when you're, you know, if you're writing, say, if you're writing an article or you're, you're asked to, to talk about a subject, you're almost asked to pick the one thing and go on that, mm -hmm. aren't you? So we do we do have this, yeah, kind of tendency to polarise um, for other people's mm -hmm. convenience and for the mediums, convenience of certain mediums. <laughs> yes. So um, I love that. I love the sort of the power of of the end can you elaborate on each one and then the kind of connection between its sort of opposite sure yes yeah so the number one it's not your fault so for many people including myself this is a very uh hard one to swallow because we as at least when it comes to sobriety because we are told and we believe that we've done this to ourselves. This is a matter of will or loss of control. You know, why couldn't we just manage our alcohol? <clears throat> and there are many reasons why this is not our fault. Alcohol culture, uh, the extraordinary impact 
of, of that culture and marketing, yeah, you know, which is of course part of culture. But when it comes to alcohol, you can't overstate that because it's this very specific thing in our culture that we love and we protect and we, yeah. uh, and, and we don't want to talk about it also as it's, it's like off limits, right? We all have to, we're all in this sort of unspoken agreement that we're going to protect it and love it and yeah, have it everywhere. And unless you have a problem. Yeah. And then you need to go away and deal with it. Right. Which is terrifying. That fear when, when we're early sober, we're thinking about getting sober, that fear of kind of disconnection that we're kind of told, you know, in the, the advertising, the marketing and the cultural narrative is yeah. terrifying and yeah. it can't be called out enough as far as I'm concerned. No, it can't, yeah. I totally agree. And I spend a lot of time in on that in the yeah. book because I really want people to understand that this isn't when I many people tried to tell me that this wasn't my fault uh early on and I couldn't hear it it felt very victimy to me to say this isn't my fault um it took me a while to to see things clearly and to realize the impact that the culture had on me to realize the impact that I mean, the other piece is alcohol. It is a very powerful drug. It is, yeah. it is an addictive drug. And so to say that it's people's fault that they get addicted to it is is crazy. Yeah. Right. And and so all those things and more that I won't go deep into, you know, speak to the fact that this is not your fault. It's also some people are prone to addiction. They just are. Uh, I definitely was one of those people. Uh, so, and and is that my fault? Is it my fault if I got sick in any other way? No. But with this, we we definitely point the finger at the person. So that's it's not your fault. The counter point: it, it is your responsibility. Uh, <laughs> this was the hardest chapter to write because it's <laughs> very diff. It's such a big meta topic. It's very hard to talk about personal responsibility without sounding like everything is up to the individual mm. and that they, if by the the magic powers of their mind <laughs> or the law of attraction or their mindset or whatever, they can just pull themselves up from their bootstraps and and change their lives in any way. That's not obviously the case. This is more focused on the fact that at the end of the day, we the, the space where we do have any freedom is in, is in that choice, the choices that we do have, right? Yeah. There are some choices we don't have, but there are always choices that we do have. And without the personal responsibility ability element, uh, we, are, we are only victims. So that's, it is your responsibility. Yeah. It, it is a very hard pill to swallow because it's so unfair because it's you know because of the culture we live in that only we can ultimately make this happen yeah. you know no one's no one was going to watch me every second of every day yeah that per that bit of personal responsibility if that's our zone of influence that is our personal power that is the only that is the moment of agency then we got mm -hmm. you know that is that's a beautiful thing 
as well you know so it's almost like you know this is not me telling you off this is kind of like Irene Cara going fame costs and this is where you have to start paying in sweat but she does it because she loves them sort of thing she wants wants them to do well yeah well I say in the book it is the best is the worst best news yeah Yeah. the message that it it is your responsibility because you know no one is coming to save you sucks and no one is coming to save you so you you it almost gives you permission right as well though that's almost that because there's that we I do think we float around in that kind of trance of of things just happen we don't Mm. yeah it's that 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 precious space that if we can access it and that is one of the most beautiful things for me about shoving alcohol out and saying no is that a fundamental boundary of self-love is that Mm. oh okay I can hear what I've got to play with now I hear what I've got some agency over so it's almost like that leap of faith isn't it though if we haven't quite put the bottle down at that point that's that's a hard one to like you say it's a hard pill pill to swallow that one it is it is and it's where all of our freedom is too as you've been saying yeah So point three, this was my favorite one to write about because saying it's unfair that this is your thing, we all feel that, but I had to ask myself, what does that really mean? Because none of us actually expects things to be fair. Yeah. We, we want them to be, but, but none of us actually believes that they are. And so what I, what I learned that I meant by that was we want someone to witness us in our grief, in our sorrow. We want someone to say, I, I see you and I hear you and what you feel is real. Yeah. And so this, it's unfair that this is your thing is more about being seen and allowing ourselves and, and the, the, the need to yeah. be seen in our suffering. And that this is suffering. <laughs> we don't, you know, part of what I get into in this chapter is that there's so much grief in losing drinking. Mm-hmm. And we don't really, this is one of those areas where we don't allow people, we don't believe they should feel grief over something because they, they've done it to themselves. To why would you feel grief about something that's obviously not good for you, that's hurting your, your life. And so we have all these internalized and unspoken beliefs about who's allowed to feel grief about things and 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 for what and addiction is, or even just, you know, problematic alcohol use is not one of those things we let people feel grief for. And this, so this is really about, about the need to feel witnessed in our sorrow. And I felt that when I read it and the way I responded to it was that this is very compassionate. This was like almost giving permission. So my particular thing that I applied that to at the moment is not, sobriety itself it's about being successful enough in my sort of in my career Mm. and one of the reasons you know the whole thing about things not being a level playing field for whatever reason I've got really complex family situation going on kids with neuro you know neurodiverse needs um and lots of different things lots of different elements which means that I can give you can really be up on yourself mm-hmm. and this compassion and I was like man this really sucks that I can't go to this conference and this one and this one and this one because actually my family needs me and I went 
it's not it, you know this is not my you know it's not fair and my my like my inner teenager was like it's not fair and it was like oh as soon as that as soon as that is voiced and the same thing with alcohol it's like as soon as that you're allowed to say it it's like oh okay like you said it's about the witnessing it's about the compassion and yes. I really felt like that you know I felt oh, it good. when when you when you wrote it and I read it yeah good yeah it does something to us we we stay very trapped in our our shame and our suffering when mm. we don't feel like our, how we feel is valid you know yeah um and then mm. number four is this is your thing wait yes <laughs> like yes, it be, is this it is, is your thing, thing. <laughs> and and just that it's just straight up acceptance mm. that we have to have like this it's not fair and it sucks and all of those things are true and it, and it is it is my thing yeah. you know admitting that alcohol was my thing was very hard and it's it is just acceptance that's yeah. what this chapter is all about freeing as well it's like you remind me when you're saying that it's almost like a parental voice it's like sweetheart I know it's not fair but that's how it is and yeah. it's like okay that feels safe because you know, it's, it's not reality it's reality it's real it's acknowledging all the bits of it but it still is and so we've just kind of got to get behind that one love yeah sorry <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's reality. And reality, uh, the truth is always, it always is freeing, uh, even if it feels terrible. It's, we can stand on it and we know it in our bodies. Yeah. Right. Do. Yeah. So, and then this will never stop being your thing. Number five, this will never stop being your thing until you face it is the action part. Knowing this is your thing is, is is one thing and and then doing something about it like this is a this is a process that you have to participate in. And so it will never stop being your thing until you face it. I talk about how you actually go about facing it. Um, and this is this is the most, I would say practical chapter. There, there's five pillars of sobriety that I've identified and many, many things that you can do to actually practice those in your life. Take us through those. Yes. Uh, the five practices, I should have these memorized, but I'll try. Okay. Acceptance. I want to do them in order. Acceptance, connection, honesty, embodiment, and service. Mm, yeah. So acceptance. Uh, I talk a lot about both self-acceptance, which is a huge piece, and other acceptance, everything else that isn't you, the world around you, and all the other things you can't control. Mm. Um, connection is about the absolute need for connection, and that we 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 don't heal in isolation. Uh, we don't we aren't able to face this as our thing mm. on our own. We need fellow travelers. We need as I call them in the book, noodles, which is the term that's used in my community. Um, we just need people who understand our experience. Exactly. Just like yeah. when you're a parent, you, it would be very difficult to survive parenthood yeah. uh, <laughs> without other, ever talking to other parents. So it's an encouragement to really reach for those people and, and establish connections mm -hmm. and sobriety. Then uh, there is honesty, which is 
it is absolutely impossible to, I think, get sober, even to quit drinking, but certainly to recover and, and have any sort of freedom uh, in in sobriety without honesty. That is sort of the baseline. Yeah. That's that's actually how I measure sobriety for myself now. Mm-hmm. Am I being honest with myself and others? <clears throat> and if I'm not, I've got I need to be on to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing so well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then um embodiment, which is a piece that is missing from a lot of programs and a piece that uh is so critical. It because embodiment is it includes the conversation around the actual body. Um, and what that means is considering trauma, considering um, when we embody something, we actually experience it and uh, we know it in a level beyond our intellect, right? Yeah. And so it, it embodiment practices involve what I really talk about here is is trauma as part of the addiction yeah. equation for almost everybody and how that has to be addressed through more than talking. It has to involve a somatic experience of the body. And then the last one is service, which is um, being in service of others. Um, this to me is so critical. And it's one of the things that AA got absolutely right is uh, when we are in service of others, which is not as complicated and big as we think it is, which is one of the things I talk about, just sharing yourself, mm-hmm. being honest is of service. Yeah. Being honest to the people around you, um, being honest with, um, in, in a meeting with others, uh, talking about your experience with alcohol, honestly, to someone who might be struggling is, is an act of service. Yeah. There are many other much smaller acts of service. You know, we, we often think they have to be grand sweeping gestures. Like you start a nonprofit, or you raise thousands and thousands of dollars. It's yes, that can be service, but being of service is really making yourself available to people who are yeah. traveling this road with you. Those are the five things in yeah, that I love chapter. That. Yeah, it makes so much sense to me. And I I definitely feel like some one of those, thank goodness, the um the sort of conversations around trauma have been widening and widening and widening. I do feel yeah. like I don't think it's just my algorithms. I think it's like, you know, and this <laughs> and the need for, and I think also COVID and pandemic when we couldn't mm-hmm. be together and the real realization we need to be heart to heart with people. We need to be, well, we needed yes. our hugs. Right. Yes. And that somatic piece is so, well, it, you know, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? It's like, it does. We haven't been talking about this for thousands, animals. thousands of we years. Live in a, we live in a bot where you live. We are, yeah. we are animals and social animals and animals with needs and our bodies. Oh, the trauma piece, that's the thing about the need to explicitly state it and work with it is because because of the dysregulation, it can be so uncomfortable yes. to drop in and somatically experience. And that's often why we drank or that's at that yeah. point dreadful discomfort of sitting in my own skin oh I know what will numb that for you know five minutes or whatever so that right. for me is is key in the way we experience the world for sure same so, yeah same. uh yes six you can't yeah. do it alone and this just is all about why we can't do it alone and this was the hardest thing for me to accept it's still a very hard thing for me to accept I still want to do everything yeah 
alone, you know, in our in our culture in the West, especially we, you know, prize individualism and uh, it makes sense that we feel this way and that that any failure that we have is a failure of the individual and that we have to figure it out alone. And for me and for just about everyone else I know, sobriety is just one of those mountains or those rivers that's too hard to cross on your own. You just, you can't. Uh, so this normalizes that. And then uh, only you can do it is back again to that almost the same as it is your responsibility, but mm. but a bit different. Um, this, I, I want to speak more to the, like, the only you can do your life. Only you can yeah. fulfill the role that you have in the in the bigger scheme of things. And that goes well beyond not drinking. Uh, and then eight, you are loved. Um, I talk about the, the power of love and how love comes to us and changes us and why we need it. Because uh, it's not as obvious as we think. <laughs> we are very hard to, uh, it's very hard to accept this, that we are loved, especially when we're in a dark place of addiction. Mm. And then the mm. last is number nine is we will never stop reminding you of these things because this is a process, right? Mm. And we need to hear these things over and over yeah. and over again. It's not a, a light switch that we turn on and suddenly we're better and sober. Mm. Uh, this is a an invitation that never closes. Yeah. And when I'm thinking about that, this never stop reminding you of this thing. This is reminding me I'm like having a moment of drawing a spiral on my notepad because it feels to me like we just spiral, don't we? We spiral we round do. and round. And then there's another thing. And then there's this thing where, OK, that's something I haven't encountered before. And before I know it, I'm trying to do it on my own and I'm all cross with myself because I can't do it. <laughs> Yes. And then, yeah, you're loved. You can't do it on your own. And I, then I'll never stop. And then it's like that lovely, lovely kind of base to return. Yes. Um, which is beautiful and true, which I think these are essential truths. You know, I really do. I do um, too. Yeah. I don't know. Thank you for writing them down and having the clarity to put them into bullet points. <laughs> that's yes. a skill the skill of some previous <laughs> previous version of myself that wrote those and then had to figure out later what they actually meant yeah no it's amazing and I know that you've talked about you know in the book the kind of you know there's the boundaries I was looking in your the the footnotes behind and I was like yeah you've got <sighs> the Melissa Urban but there's the Ned yeah there's that and I was like yeah yeah they're, 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 but they're, they're all the in your bookshelf yeah <laughs> yes. we've been reading the same book so we're on the yeah similar parts here um you see what these I love the fact that that, that even that these are like it's like a spine going through and you can go off onto different tangents and go as deep as you like on each one of them but then you come back to that kind of central channel again so I think yeah. this is going to be such a useful useful book for people you know thank you I hope so I hope so yeah and I did include a lot of questions because I don't you know, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a professional researcher. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't have all the answers, but I do know how to ask the right questions. Yeah. And I want, and I believe that, that we all have, we do have the answers in there. Um, if we have the willingness to, to ask questions, to talk, mm. to share, to speak honestly. And so there are a lot of questions what are your um use. what would you say your your if you could pick your top three 
questions. The questions about shame in there, which are many, uh, are often the most revealing and important. Uh, rather than, th than I, I suppose, say specific ones, I, I do, I will say a, one specific one, this idea of doing it alone. In chapter um, six, I ask basically, are you trying to go it alone? Mm. Why? And how is that working? Even just answering that can be so revealing because often yeah. what comes up is all these ideas you have about what it means to need help. Mm. And to question, you can then question those ideas. Because if you, I, I, in one of the questions or prompts, I, I tell folks to, to consider someone they love unconditionally and easily mm. and dearly. A, a child or a pet or a, a partner uh, and to ask themselves if that person or being came to them hurting mm. and so wrapped up in shame the way that, that they are, what would they say to them? And it's so easy to imagine mm. the yeah. compassion and the love that we would offer mm. them. And if that is in you, we, we think, well, that's for them. I don't deserve it. But if, but that's not true, of course. And if that's in you to offer that to them, it's yeah. in you to offer it to yourself yeah. as well. And I feel like if you have that, like I was talking to this, um, I've got a fantastic yoga studio in the next town. They're like mm. my fam, they're my family. Yes. And so Bryony and Silas, I will give you a shout out because I know you're listening to this at some point. But so, so Silas said that he, he is quite hard on himself, but he said if he can do that, he literally grabs it and turns it inwards as soon as he can. <laughs> like, yes. like he'll he'll get, you know, if he's a bit down on himself, he'll think about they've got a lovely dog called Clover, who's like the Marilyn Monroe of dogs. And you <laughs> could, couldn't possibly be ever crossed with Clover because she is like she's the goddess of life she's perfect right. she's perfect so you look at her feeling like she might have done something wrong and you would just melt and then right grab the melty and then shove the melty back at yourself and you get that sort of sense of there's that visceral sense that somatic sense of okay I might not have joined up all the dots but I feel it I feel what possibility it is to expand in this yes. moment not contract in this moment not to turn I away love that. grab the melty grab the melty <laughs> that's like that's what you should title this episode <laughs> grab the melty okay yeah just today so not in in the whole thing but from your heart today what mm -hmm. would be your biggest kind of tip to someone who is struggling right now to get sober and in that awful push-pull space you have to say something mm -hmm. to someone you have to it's it's too big to hold uh, if opening your mouth is too hard write it down first that can be extraordinarily difficult on its own. So I just want to acknowledge how scary that can be, but you have to open your mouth. You have to get it outside of your body. Mm. And 
my experience is that once we start to do that, once we say the first true thing about what's going on with us, the next breadcrumb appears and we, we gain this, yes, it's vulnerable, but we gain this, gain this flash of courage in that moment and so many other things. So you have to open your mouth. You have to do it. Mm, thank you. I just want to, <laughs> that moved me then. I just want to sort of land with that. And I kind of, yeah, feel back to the first night that I, it was my first, yeah, the first time I kind of thought I might be able to do this was I logged on at 3 a.m. in the morning, Googling am I an alcoholic again? And I found Sobristas. And this yeah. is before social media, you know, the whole social media thing. And I blogged. So I wrote a very short piece, a little bit of a, a letter just saying, I don't know if anyone's even out there or listening, but this is how I'm feeling and I don't know if wow. I can do it. And then I was like, okay, that's weird. Put close the laptop and in the morning I opened it and I had nine responses. We wow. got, we got, we got you. It's fine. We know we got, the, it was exactly the same. And that was it. It was like literally that little torch in the. Yes. And that's how it happens for everybody. Yeah. 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 Connection is made, right? Connection is made. Yeah. Thank you so much. So we always finish Thank off by you. just saying, you know, what's your reason to, this is our, the cute thing because it's called Love Sober. What's your reason to love sober today? Today, I'll just say today because yeah. the, the reasons are too many. Today, um, well, waking up without a hangover is never, it never gets old. And I am very far away from my daughter. She's in Portugal right now. I'm in Mexico. And I I love being sober today because I can feel connected to her and miss her. And she just turned 14 two days ago and love on her and feel all the complicated things that are being about being a mom. And, and it's okay. You know, that, that's what occurs to me right now. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not scared. I'm not, you know, I, 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 I am safe in those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much Laura it's been amazing to talk to you you too this has been so great oh so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking reach out send up a flare lots of help online now um you can always send me an email at kate at lovesober.com um Laura's book is is coming out as we said this week um and we'll put all the connection you know your website and everything on the show notes so you'll be able to find Laura and follow her by um by looking for those and yeah and we'll see you more week uh, next week for more chat and stay safe everyone